My very first sponsor of the podcast was tfsjujitsu.com. If you enjoy high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu techniques with a Crunchwrap Supreme and a Baja Blasted drink, then tfsjujitsu.com is your place to go. With over 200 videos of gi and no-gi techniques, it features a bunch of different instructors, and it really focuses on the stuff that works. From guard passes to mount escapes to takedowns to submissions across the board, the website has been put together with a lot of thought in mind and an emphasis on technique. It's great, great content, a lot of awesome detail in some of the finer mechanics of jiu-jitsu. Great for a beginner or somebody who's a, a black belt level. Make sure you check them out. Website is tfsjiujitsu.com. Today's guest is one of my favorite training partners. We have been friends and trained uh, martial arts, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, uh, together for the past 10 years. Jamie is a seasoned pro MMA fighter and also a very talented jiu-jitsu practitioner. Uh, Even though he's bigger than me, I think he competed at like 180, 190, maybe even 205. I don't know if he got that big, but... uh, when we spar or we grapple together, I always feel like he's taking care of me, but still puts me to work. When I first had this idea of doing a podcast, I was working out with Jamie at a gym called Edge here in Syracuse. I was bouncing ideas off him and was super hesitant to really pull the trigger on this whole thing. I was worried I wouldn't be consistent, I wouldn't be interesting, and, you know, just nervous about the whole thing. Jamie looked me right in the eyes, and he said, just do the fucking podcast. Do it once a month. Do it every week. It's your thing, man. Just enjoy putting stuff out there, and people will like it. Don't worry about all the other stuff that you're thinking of. And that that resonated with me because I realized that I was already making these excuses for myself before I even started doing this podcast. So... Without Jamie, I probably would never have really made that initial jump. Um, So it's, I mean, without Jamie, I wouldn't be able to do something that I really enjoy, putting out something every other week. Or So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy Jamie and his friendship. I love this dude very much and uh, enjoy this episode. Okay, boom. Recording. I think I start every podcast by saying boom like an annoying asshole. <laughs> you got Ra- a routine. Oh. Yeah, right. Round two, because the first one did not work. So, Jamie squeezing me in again super late. I appreciate you. Of course. Um, Alright, so what did we talk about last time? Jamie, as a massage therapist, what has the whole covid thing been like has restrictions recently been lifted for you or have you guys been going for like a month now 
Uh, we've been going a couple months now. I think we opened up uh, at end of May, so we were shut down for like three months, which was tough. I thought it was going to be like a two-week, three-week vacation, and then two weeks turned into three months. Yeah, it was um, weird, and it's pretty unprecedented. Like nothing like this has happened before. Yeah, yeah, totally unexpected, and you know, no one knows how to handle it. <laughs> but yeah. we're back up now and super busy. I mean, I'm I'm probably busier than I was before we closed down. Really? Busy? Yeah, I'm I'm building a clientele. Like I'm still like a new massage therapist. So yeah, when uh, the restrictions were first lifted, did you have to wear like gloves and stuff when you were doing massages? No gloves. Uh, we have to wear masks. We have to do a bunch of extra cleaning, and we still have to do that. But it's not that bad. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful to be able to work. You know. Yeah. Right. What's the name of the uh, group that you work for? The, I don't know the t- proper term for it. It's Northern New Northern New York Massage. Okay. How many people are on your like team or group? Uh, we got four massage therapists there. Oh, that's cool. And how yeah. how long have they all been doing it for? Um, most of them, man, they've been doing it for uh, one of them like more than a decade, and a couple of them like four and nine years, I think. So I'm the I'm definitely the new guy there. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow, that's that's wild. That's a long time. It's yeah. When people are in that one job for ten years, it's it's pretty wild to see them still committed, still loving what they're doing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it is a great job. Actually, uh, something weird about that field, though, is uh, massage therapists, the usual, the average work, work length is uh, two years, and they usually crap out. Why? What do you think that's about? It's hard on the body. If you're really? not good about maintaining with your own self-care, then you're really going to be hurting. Really? So, yeah. it's... That's surprising you say that, because to me, it doesn't seem like it's that physical of a job. But I guess I'm pretty ignorant about that. Um, yeah, I guess it can, it kind of depends on what massage you're doing. Like I do mostly like deep tissue and medical massage, so that's really hard in your hands because you're doing a lot of squeezing and a lot of like stuff that takes strength. Yeah, what do you do to take care of your body, your hands and stuff? Um, I get massages as much as possible. Um, I have a massage gun. I work on myself a lot too. Nice. Um, Those things are awesome. Oh, they're so good. Do you have like a legit, uh, massage gun or is it like a black and Decker, (laughs) like power drill? (laughs) No, it's a, it's a legitimate one. Like it was expensive pro gun. I use it at work all the time too. Do you have a brand that you recommend? Um, not really, no. Uh, I got it as a gift, so I don't. I don't even. I didn't really do the uh, research. What a good one is. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that's that's even better then, because when it's a gift, yeah. it's you don't. It's just like you said. You don't have to do the uh, the research behind it, and it worked out good for you. Is it hold up okay? okay. Does it have like different settings and stuff? Yeah, it's got different speeds. It's got uh, different heads to put on it, um, and yeah, it's holding up, and it should last for years. I think there's like a lifetime warranty or something on it. Oh damn! Uh, Two Chains has got uh, Jimmy Two Chains. He's got one that uh, has a finger attachment. Like it's the gun, but it has the ball. <laughs> yeah. It has like a a pulsating head, like a a flat 
uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a cylinder head to it, and then one that's yeah. just a finger, which is <laughs> wicked suspect. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it is exactly a finger. <laughs> what are you doing with that finger? Hey, what are you doing with that finger? <laughs> oh, that you just need from. to get the, the fist attachment to <laughs> <laughs> The fist. <laughs> Do, does yours have uh, like a certain attachment they use the most? Like the yeah, fist? Yeah. <laughs> so it would it would probably be the equivalent of the finger, which is not shaped like a finger because that's unnecessary. <laughs> Jay man, even has a finger now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why did they feel the need to shape it like a finger? <laughs> I have no clue. I it's it has ten different attachments, and when <laughs> Jimmy pulled out that one. It's just that I was like, what are you doing with that? That's just a finger. <laughs> and it's already... You're like, you're not fooling anybody. No one thinks that's a finger. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, It's Always Sunny with Mac and his oh, his exercise bike. That's just a massive dildo under <laughs> <laughs> the seat. <laughs> See, when you start pumping and you get tired, it blasts you up for motivation. <laughs> That's so funny. Is there oh, yeah. is there one brand that circulates in like the massage group of people that are that is perceived as being like a higher ranked one? I don't think so, but I didn't really do the research, so I'm not sure. Mm. I was wondering if there was a a Ferrari of finger blasters out there. <laughs> they're pretty like they're pretty like new as a popular thing, so probably not yet. Yeah, when. The first time I saw it was a couple of years ago, and everybody was modifying a Black & Decker rotor saw for it. It yeah. was it was attachments first, and then they were all just saying, buy, a, buy the $40, $60 Black & Decker rotor saw. I don't even think I'm saying yeah. that right. Yeah, whatever it is, some sort of saw. Yeah, whatever um, yeah it was. Curtis made one of those, too. That's the first time I seen one was when Curtis made one. Does it, do you do you highly recommend it as a massage therapist? It makes your job a lot easier. Really? Like there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of like trigger points and stuff where I'm like, all right, this just isn't budging and I'll use the massage gun and it'll do the trick. Interesting. What's what's the game plan when you do a massage like if I come to you and I say, Jamie, I want a deep tissue massage, what what do you go over so you target different areas or problem areas? Uh, well, I ask you what's bothering you first, your problem areas, and then um, I assess your posture to see um, what muscles might be pulling where. And Interesting. Get... Posture? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that oh, yeah. could that would be able to, like a red flag for what you would find. Like oh, problem areas. Yeah, and like postures you would hold at work too. So if you sit at a desk all day, like there's going to be like your hip flexors are going to be super tight. You're probably going to have like nerd neck because you're looking at a computer all day. Whoa, interesting. So do you have them stand in front of you and you you look at the curvature of their spine? Um, sometimes, but a lot of times I don't really get get the time to do that because um, you know you have limited time between massages. So a lot of time I'm just obsessing it as they walk to the room too. Oh, interesting. So the second they walk in the room, <clears throat> excuse me, you're sizing them up. Yeah, and I'm watching the way they walk too. You're giving them an ocular pat down. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's wild. What what kind of training is involved to get your license? What did you have to do? Um, so massage school, and it's uh, it was a year for me. There's different lengths you could go. It, um, it was a lot of classes. It's uh, definitely like full time schooling and a lot of sciences. Um, and 100 hours of hands-on in the clinic. You said there's different, like, amounts of years you can take. Is that a different... If you do two years, it's a master's degree in massage therapy. Like, I don't know how it works. Do you get a different degree for the more time? Uh, no, you can go for two... You can go to a college and go and get, like, a um, associate's in massage therapy. Oh, that's Or rad. you could just go to, like, a trade school like I did and um, just go and get like your license in massage therapy what trade school did you go to it's onondaga school of therapeutic massage oh that's oh so you were training that's when you were going through school that's when you and i were working on at edge yeah yeah right. so that's what i'm in syracuse for again right right that's interesting what made you interested in massage therapy uh so when i was fighting like i i hurt my back and um, I was looking for all sorts of therapies. I was stretching all the time, and nothing was really helping. And I finally started doing chiropractic, chiropractic care and massage, and it was the only thing that really gave me any, any relief. Um, so I went to school for it, and as soon as we got into like hands-on classes, I was like really blown away on how effective massage actually was. I didn't even really, really realize the potential until I was in school for it. Were you going? Uh, on like like a regular schedule when you were getting massage, like were you doing once a week or once a month or? No, man. Um, it was really when I was just hurting bad because I, I mean, I should have been doing like a regular schedule, but I was broke, so I couldn't really do that either. Do ins- people's insurance pay for massage therapists, or is that just all straight out of pocket? usually out of pocket very few insurances pay for it the va pays for it once in a while that's wild that seems like that's something that health like that sh- that should be included in health benefits uh hopefully in the future it will it's getting more regulated which means it'll be more likely to be included in health insurance interesting that it seems as if that is a a perfect fit especially if you want to take care of your body Oh yeah, and plus it's so it's important because you can actually like you don't have to take opiates to get rid of this pain. You can you can heal your pain with a massage instead. And the nation's trying to get away from prescribing opiates because this heroin crisis we have now. Yeah, there's a there's a massive pill problem in the United States. Okay. That's that seems like a perfect transition into pain management from. Yeah constant opioids into massage therapy what is there a preferred method do you always just recommend deep tissue or do you have another perform like a recommended form that you tell your clients to do um uh yeah usually like deep tissue or medical massage but we also do we also do Swedish, which is like a relaxation massage. We do a couple spa things, like hot stone. But that's not – I do them, and it's a nice break from doing, like, the hard deep tissue stuff, but that's not really where my interest lies. Yeah. 
I think I did a Swedish massage on our cruise. And I've only gotten a massage twice in my life. I think it was the same thing. Just when you say Swedish massage, what does what that exactly you say? It's just a relaxing massage. Yeah, it's relaxing. It's really flowy. They just put on like harp music in the background and then they just do a full body massage. Yep, little yeah. bells and whistles. Yep, exactly. That's, that is exactly what I did. It, it was yeah. interesting. I felt um, afterwards, it's hard for me to tell because I never can like differentiate between if it was placebo or not, but I felt my mind was adjusted differently, I guess, when you get out of it. I don't know how I really can explain it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of benefits from just beyond, like, relaxing the Swedish, too. It pushes a lot of fluids through your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're definitely going to feel better. You're definitely going to feel healthier after. How how many times do you recommend somebody to go get a massage a week? Um, Well, most people don't do it more than once a week, but... I think if they could afford it, they would be coming a couple times a week, probably. Yeah, it would be interesting if uh, health insurance took care of it. Then I yeah. I feel as if there would be way more people doing it on a far more consistent basis. Yeah, hopefully in the future it does. Have you ever done a, a flow tank? Yeah, and actually we're getting one in work. It's going to be set up in a few weeks here. Damn, for real? Yeah, I was gonna say that for me is the closest uh, feeling that I could associate with a a post massage feeling because when I get out of the flow tank, it's uh, I'm level headed, I'm clear headed, and the rest of the day I'm very mellow, very mellow. Okay. Yeah, it's just like the best meditation you ever had, right? Yeah, 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 a hundred percent, and that's. That's like the best way I can explain it. That's cool that they're getting one. What kind of tank are they getting at your work? Um, I don't know like what the type is, but it's it's a big tank. I know uh, what's that place called? Mind Mind Body in Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have one in Rochester too. Yeah, I think it's about just as big as uh, the cathedral one they have in there. I think that is the open tank one, right? Is that what it is? I, I, th- I never did. I think so. I've only done the uh, the pod ones. Every time I go in, I do I do the pod one. I don't. I haven't done the the couples one, which I think is the open cathedral one. And that one I've been dying. To, that one would be interesting. But I, if the lights aren't completely off, I like the fact that you climb into this thing. Some people aren't a fan of it. I like the fact that you climb into it. You shut the door, and everything's pitch black. So in the cathedral one, I. I don't know for sure, but I think you could still see a light, which might fuck with you a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure some light would bleed through, maybe under the door or something. Yeah, right, right. That would kind of that would kind of fuck with you a little bit and illuminate parts of the room. Yeah. I think that would take you out of the trance. Those, it's one sure. of my favorite things to do. It, it's honestly, I haven't done it in probably like, man, a couple of years now. But it's it's pretty wild. One of those things. I love those things. I'm so excited to get it at work. I'm going to do it all the time. Dude, you should. You, you of all people, I think would love it the most. Like, Spooches loves it. He doesn't do it as much. And you would be right up there with enjoyment level. I bet you you, <laughs> you would totally see the benefits of it more than any yeah. of my friends, for sure. 
enjoy it to the max. Yeah, and especially if you have unlimited, like you can go whenever you want, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I'm just going to climb in there after work all the time. That would be it would be an interesting experience, like experiment to do on your body doing it every day, 5 days a week for a month and to see how that changes your your state of mind. Yeah, it would be. I bet you nothing would bother you at all. <laughs> like you wouldn't get it like someone would T-bone you in an intersection and you would get out of the car and just it's all good, no worries. You'd be so mellow. <laughs> You're like a Buddhist monk. Yeah. <laughs> People do some wild stuff in the tank. Like they'll um they'll play music, which I I haven't really that's that's not about that's not what I'm about playing the music or playing like chants in the background <laughs> yeah that <laughs> with that kind of stuff there's always like a fine line of uh <laughs> like a little too, being a little too much i don't need a chant going on in the background when i'm doing this i just i want to focus and then just enjoy shutting off everything completely you know what i mean yeah i could get down with some some gongs and some singing bowls though some gongs yeah, I definitely noticed something if you got, like, a soundtrack of just, like, gongs in the background. It definitely puts you in some sort of state pretty quickly. Like a, a, a rhythm of gongs? No, just just a gong every once in a while. Just, <laughs> just, just a random gong. Well, <laughs> gongs <bet> out. You, <laughs> I, <laughs> gongs out, baby. <laughs> I bet you it's good because it would bring you back to the present moment almost you know what i mean yeah, that's exactly what it is it just makes you present with the moment right because the last time that i did a float tank it was you kind of lose track of time in there and that gong would be a reminder that hey you're still here you're still in the float tank you're still doing it you're still doing this thing yeah. yeah that's the strangest thing with the float tanks is you have no concept of time Mm. You've been there for five minutes, and you think you've been in there for an hour already. Yeah, the very first time for me, it was it was hard for me to adjust in it because it's you're laying in it naked. The water is the temperature of your skin. You don't know what to expect, and then at the same time, you're like, "Oh my god, if I sleep for too long, I'm gonna sleep over my time." And then somebody's gonna come in and open the door, and I'm butt ass naked in this pod, and <laughs> and you just you start thinking of all these crazy scenarios that go on in your head. But then the second time gets better, the third time gets better, the fourth time gets even better. It's it's like a practice, right? When you practice your jab cross, yeah. it, it gets better every time you every time you do it, right? Yeah, it's uh it's intimidating the first time actually. Yeah. I mean it's ninety minutes long and you don't you aren't sure if you can sit in total isolation for ninety minutes. Yeah. I mean that's a form of torture in some places. Yeah, right. No cell phone. You don't look at your cell phone. You're you are literally floating in salt, salt water, butt ass naked. Well, I do it butt naked. I feel like if you are doing it with a bathing suit, it kind of takes away from it, right? I'm not the only one that thinks that. Mm. Are you a speedo? Uh, I don't really affect you that much. I go. I mean, I go naked, but I don't okay. think you notice your bathing suit. I was. After a while. I was waiting for you to be like. No, nah, dude, I wear a bathing suit every time I go in. I'm just a weirdo that goes in <laughs> completely <laughs> naked every yeah, time. Yeah, you're gross, dude. That's <laughs> I was, I was waiting for you to be, just to say, dude, I wear it every single time. 
What? All right, so back to the massage. What do you – is there one form of massage that you think is is hokey pokey? Like, as if it's like – man, I can't describe it. You think it's like, it's just like, too out there. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Reiki. What is, Re- what is Reiki massage? Is that an, an energy massage? Is that too far out there for you to do? <laughs> um, you know, I definitely wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't seek it out, but – Going to school, we did learn some of the energy stuff and mm. some of the Eastern stuff, and it was uh, it was interesting to learn for sure. We had a like a two day class of Reiki. Interesting. So they call it Eastern massage. Yeah, so it's it's like from you know like Asia. It's like traditional Chinese medicine. So we took Shiatsu, which runs along the energy meridians, the same energy meridians that um, acupuncture uses. Oh, okay. And we're, like, taking these at the same time as science classes and, like, treatment classes. And it totally does not make any sense together. <laughs> like, I, it's I so a, far from Western science. <laughs> yeah. I I try very hard to keep an open mind about stuff. But when you start talking about energy and chakras, it's, that's when I start zoning out. And, I'm, and I just don't – maybe it's me putting a mental block up. But the same time, that stuff. I'm, I just, man, I don't know. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have any reference to be like, oh yeah, that works because like you never really experienced anything like that. But that's a good point I mean, to make. Acupuncture works for some people. It's the same. It's the same energy system that it runs on. That is a great point because there's a lot of things in this world, especially when I was younger, I was not a believer in things happen for a reason. But when you get older there's these weird situations that happen there like was that coincidence or like did that there had to be some meaning behind that right there's those weird <laughs> instances because then you have that that uh experience to tie that to right so i i bet that people that did that come into reiki with an open mind they do the experience and then they're you open their third eye by awakening their center line energy I'm sure they probably have an experience to link that to, right? Yeah. Um, and even if it's like, even if it is just not real, like people are benefiting from it. And just like you said, yeah. like everything happens for a reason. Even if that mindset isn't true, like you can still benefit from that worldview. So it, there's no harm in believing that, you know, like you kind of choose what you believe anyways. Powerful. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's 100%. The placebo effect, when people talk about that as being horseshit, but at the same time, if it benefits you in some way, then it then it's working, right? Like, if you do the Reiki and then you feel as if you were in a better mood and you cleared up your knee problem, then it worked, right? That's the point of it. Yeah. Right? I mean... And the, some people I went to school with... There and there was a lot of like people that are like really really woo woo, but there's also a lot of people that were really like level headed, rational, mm. science minded, yeah. and they they found like they got into Reiki because they didn't expect it to work and it ended up helping them. Like one lady treated her migraines with Reiki. Interesting. Somebody came up to a beach one came up to her on a beach one time and said, "Do you have a migraine right now?" They could tell somehow. 
huh. and treated her with Reiki. She didn't know what was going on, but it worked. That's far. That um, is so far out. When you tell me that story, I think that's such. I'm gonna be honest. I think that's such horseshit. But at the same time, clearly it's not if it if it worked for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it seems it seems as if I'm being kind of judgmental when I say that. But it worked for her. So what what the fuck do I know? You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of look at it like um, like. If there's so many people who have believed in this stuff for so many centuries and practice this stuff. Like it would be arrogant for me just to, just to like say, Oh, that's fake. That's like all garbage. Like there must be something to it. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to be arrogant enough to just like disregard it. You know? Yeah. Right. Respect. I like that. What, uh, have you done a Reiki massage before? Is that a Reiki massage or a Reiki? Like what is, um, it's not really massage. It's energy work. Okay. Uh, yeah. We, so we had the two day class of it. So I, I've had it done to me and I've done it. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just holding my, what was my your experience hands. with it? Oh, when I was doing it, uh, I didn't, I don't know. I just felt awkward when yeah. I was like the one being a practitioner. When I got it done, I didn't really notice anything either. One of the ladies that was a practitioner said that she's seen some stuff like, She's seen this vision of me being like a gladiator, like leading this whole clan of gladiators. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, gladiators were slaves. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. That's hilarious. So that is not a service that you provide. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> what what is um what are some services that you provide that you're comfortable doing that you can professionally speak has helped you like the um, hot stone one or deep tissue yeah. it seems like deep tissue is your primary focus yeah deep tissue and medical massage is what i get the most of and what i like doing the most it's also the hardest the most challenging but i get kind of what's fun about it too What's the difference between the two of them? Um, well, with medical massage, you usually have like a specific ailment, like a specific diagnosis. Oh, it's, it's as if like, Jamie, my knee hurts, and then you target a massage with around focused around my knee, I guess? Or you'd be like, I have thoracic outlet syndrome, so I'll know exactly what, what the goal is, and I'm only going to work on that area. Jamie, that's but, too big of a word for me to know what the fuck that means. <laughs> your arm goes numb when you hold it over your head. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of carryover between the two, so it's, I don't know. It's, it makes it sound like I'm doing way more than I am when I, when I like distinguish it between two different things, you know? Yeah, interesting. And I remember last time when we talked, we were uh, talking about how you prospect for clients. What does that look like for you? I know I know you actually don't have to, but explain what that process is for you. As far as getting clients? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I'm really lucky with this. Uh, so I got a job at the busiest place in town with the best reputation. So I didn't have ever have to do anything to get clients. I was just like, I got onto the job. Uh, one girl quit the same day that I was coming on. So I absorbed all her clients and 
Um, I worked on two chiropractors my first week, and they both liked it. So they both started referring clients to me. So I never really had to bust my ass to go and like um, advertise and get clients myself. I just I'm just good at yeah. actual massage. That's money. That's really cool. Did you internship with that group? Did they already know you? Yeah. So uh, she was a friend of um, friend of the gym that I train at here in Watertown. So uh, the owner Curtis actually just like told her that I was interested in going to massage school and she was like oh great I like him like I'll hire him when he gets out of school oh shit so, so I knew I, yeah I knew I had a job like going into school already and it's great wow that's that's wild that's really cool I worked with a girl at runnings uh Amber and she was doing it on her own like she was starting her own business she got mm-hmm. licensed in the time that when I was her assistant manager she was going to school working full-time and building her client base. So she now currently, I mean, I haven't seen her in probably like six months, but she was balancing between the two where it was working full-time and still promoting and still getting clients out there. Yeah. And that's usually what most massage therapists have to do. So I was like extremely fortunate just to fall into a full schedule. Damn. That's wild. That's cool. That. Yeah that happened for you. It seems as if the timing all worked out perfectly for you. Yeah, everything happens for a reason, right? Dude, I was going to say bringing it back full circle. That is exactly <laughs> what I was going to fucking say. God damn. So you did, so you got into massaging because of uh, fighting. So you were uh, a professional MMA fighter. Or are you still a professional MMA fighter? Are you going to take another fight or what? I uh, sure want to. Really? Yeah. MMA I mean, or what? Um, maybe, but I want to do kickboxing first, definitely. What makes you want to do kickboxing over MMA first? Uh, I've gotten way better at kickboxing over the years. Fuck yeah. I mean, I've gotten way better at jiu-jitsu too, but I just... Uh, kickboxing fights were um, more fast-paced and exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's performed a little bit better, too. Right. Yeah, no, it's last year when uh, you were living in... You were living in Syracuse, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you were living in Syracuse, you were training at the uh, Thai Guy. Partnering with you gave me... And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Some of the best rounds that I've ever had because you and I had, like, a a great give and take where we were both we were taking what Sifu would would teach us say we were learning the shield shielding the kick and catch and then you and I were adding on top of that where we were trying to be reactive it was some of the best rounds I've ever done and I use that in my class to well pre-covid I would do lessons on just that where we would I would give them the start of a combination I would say the rest is up to you guys. However, you want to figure it out. That's that's up to you. It almost is like a free flow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's necessary when you get to like a higher level, like us. Like you, you have to be creative yourself, and you have to develop that fight IQ instead of just like drilling the same thing you've done for years. Yeah, in the same combo, right? Like a switch kick, cross hook, rear kick. 
that's a beautiful combo and it's a very basic combo but now how are you going to break rhythm how are you going to break tempo and that was something you always did good too i mean still do good to that to this day where you break the rhythm between your combination where it's where it's at like i know that rear kick is coming but you hide it behind a like a stutter or a or a pause or a break you know what i mean yeah yeah man just finding all the little tricks and developing that fight iq is is it's the funnest thing about kickboxing to me what made you get into martial arts in the first place uh i just wanted to be able to defend myself like um uh, I was bullied as a kid, and uh, I would get jumped by these kids that lived in my neighborhood, like a group of them, and like they'd have me fight the smallest kid. But if I actually fought back, then his older brothers and all his friends would jump me. So, oh <laughs> uh, shit, who's so going to jump you, Jamie? Like, what's imagine, that? I, was, I said, who would who would think of jumping you? Because I would imagine you looking the same. <laughs> looking exactly the same in high school where you're like what do you weigh right now jamie oh, like 180 180 bro you weigh 180 you're shredded you got two percent body fat and then <laughs> someone's trying to pick on you on the fucking playground i just don't see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what it was like <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny it's funny that you say that because a lot of people that are in martial arts got in because there was school bullying or they had an incident where they got picked on, which is so funny to me because these people that I know today are some of like the most badass people like black belts are, and they're big people. They're like people I would not want to fuck with. You know what I mean? Who's picking yeah. on these people in 12th grade? <laughs> Yeah, but it's crazy because a lot of those people developed all their confidence from mm. from martial arts as well. Yeah. No, I totally – before I started doing Muay Thai, I had zero confidence at all. My – just like social interactions, I fucking sucked at Jamie. Like I was the worst. Like when I was talking to somebody or any altercation, physical or verbal, I would run away from. I was just very, very hesitant. You know what I mean? And doing Muay Thai martial arts, I I don't know what it did. It just, I I guess it just, it seems weird to say it calmed me down. I wasn't, I wasn't pumped up. I wasn't like amped. You know what I mean? I was the other way. I ran away from shit. (laughs) There was a fight in the hallway. I'm sure I'm gone. You know what I mean? I avoided that shit like the plague. Yeah. And now look at you, you're a total stud. Bro, don't you dare. Don't hit on me. <laughs> this is my this is my thing to hit on you, okay, Jamie? Chill the fuck <laughs> out, dude. Jeez. Alright, I won't step out of line again. <laughs> how many uh how many MMA fights have you had? Uh I had eleven. Eleven? Yeah. Eleven times. And that's just MMA, right? You're not counting kickboxing or did you do boxing? I didn't do boxing. I had four kickboxing fights, eleven MMA fights. 15, dude, fifteen fights you had. That is wild. <laughs> what? What? All right. First question. This is gonna be a two-parter. What do you prefer, kickboxing or MMA? Uh, I prefer kickboxing now. Now you now you prefer kickboxing. Yeah. Is it because it's 
I mean, you, I guess you kind of answered it earlier, but is it? It's it's more exciting, and I, I feel that there's less paths to take, right? There's less there's less things you have to plan for. When it's oh, absolutely. Way but. less preparation, plus the shorter rounds, and uh, I don't feel like I have to weight cut as much as I do for MMA too. So yeah, that, yeah. What did you fight out when you did MMA? One seventy most of the time, and then my last one it was one fifty five. Oh, which was that idiotic cut? <laughs> How did you diet down to one fifty five, or did you just unhealthily get to one fifty five? Oh, my secret was starvation for sure. Oh, goodness, starvation and, and hours of cardio a day. Really? That that was it? Yeah, there wasn't any secret. It was just just not eating. Man, that is so. When I hear these stories about people cutting down three weight classes above what they weigh, is so that's so wild to me. Because a lot of these smaller guys, such as myself, we don't have three weight classes to cut down. And me yeah. cutting down... Dude, I could not cut down to 115. I weigh 140 right now. Probably the peak of quarantine, I probably weighed my peak 145. I would yeah. I would fight at 135. That's 10 pounds. That's just me eating healthy and cutting shit out of my diet and just drinking more water. That's it. I could mm-hmm. not imagine cutting down to 125. I'd never done a practice cut to that, but I could not imagine that. But you're going from... 180 down to 155 which is three am i kind of right three weight classes down um yeah yeah i was actually i mean i was way heavier then too i was weightlifting a lot more i was 195 when i made that cut god damn that's so crazy that yeah what all right so the the night that you had the fight at 155, you weighed in. Did you weigh in the night before at least? Yeah, yeah. So it was always the night before with professional MMA. So and... this was a per, was a pro fight. Yeah. What made you want to take it at 155? I didn't. I was talking to it uh, by my coach at the time, um, which wasn't good for me. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was a good idea, and I wouldn't do it again. And wow. I, I think, I, I think the athletic commission should actually like take further steps to stop weight cutting because it's not good for anybody. Yeah, and it's it's hard to to regulate, right? How do you stop somebody from cutting weight from eight weeks out? You know what I mean? Um, I I think one FC does it, but they have a pretty good system where you have to weigh in multiple times. So you have to weigh in the day before, and then you have to weigh in like um, the day of, and then a couple hours before the fight. And you're only allowed to put in put on so much weight. Right. So like you're not going to go into the fight like still starved. So people are just not going to cut weight. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I I've always been a strong believer that I. I think you should fight at what you what you walk around at. I think that's the healthiest healthiest yeah. way for a competition, but that's not it's not realistic, especially with with wrestlers. They have that that mentality that you need to cut a substantial amount of weight to 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 raise your uh chances, I guess, right? Is that the idea yeah. so you have more strength, I guess, when you go into it? But yeah, I mean 
it is competitive, especially at a pro level. Everyone cuts weight, so if you don't, you're not going to be competitive. Yeah, isn't it? It's so the idea to me is very is very weird. The the two fights that I've had, I both I average like when I'm training and working out and not in COVID and have a somewhat regular schedule. I'm like 140. I flow between anywhere between there. But I was cutting for my fights to 135, which was reasonable. Again, it was just me eating healthier, drinking more water, less soda, and rum and cokes and shit. And but f- to try to imagine someone like yourself cutting 20 pounds, it's, it's such a wild concept to me. That's a lot of weight. That is a lot of fucking weight. Yeah, and. I mean, like, yeah, there's a difference between getting healthy and dieting down and cutting weight because a lot of that weight is water weight, too. That's what's what's especially unhealthy is to dehydrate yourself to the point where your kidneys ache. Is that what you had to do when you got to 155? Did your kidneys hurt? Yeah, Yeah, my kidneys hurt. And then once I finally was able to eat, I couldn't hold anything down. Like, my first couple meals, it would just come up. I couldn't even hold a bottle of water down. Wow, really? Yeah, I didn't actually feel myself until I finally got an IV in my arm. Holy shit, that makes me so nervous. That's crazy. What, so once you got the IV in your arm, what did that, did that feel like? Did somebody hit a reset button and you were totally fine, or is that not realistic? Yeah, it was like that. It was like, boom, I feel great. Like just a surge of energy <laughs> holy shit really that quickly when you do an iv oh yeah they work wow damn well that's i know the uf the ufc i think they still ban ivs i don't think you can do liquid ivs anymore so i guess yeah, that well, that's, sense. that's probably to stop extreme cutting yeah it, fuck man how do you how do you, especially in wrestling that is just the norm so when you come into the sport a lot of people are from from wrestling so to them it's just it's second nature so man, that's a hard so when you you took your iv you got your reset button the next day you go to fight what did you feel like? did you still feel like something was off about it uh so it was strange like um when i started warming up i felt so fast like really Faster than I ever been, but I, my mind and my body couldn't keep up with like this newfound speed. Like I wasn't used to it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. It was like I went from driving a a pickup truck to a Ferrari. <laughs> 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 like I didn't On know how to drive a chassis. You put a Ferrari <laughs> engine in it, and the <laughs> chassis doesn't know what to do with it. I'm not a car yeah. guy, so I hope I use those terms the right way. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what a chassis yeah. is. <laughs> I think the chassis has something to do with wheels. Sounds right. No, no, not that, That's crazy that you said that because I, I don't think I've really talked to anybody who's done a an extreme weight cut like that. Did uh, so you felt like your body couldn't keep up? Was the first round, the second round? How did you progress throughout the fight? Did you do? Did you lose power? Did you? gas really early how was that for you oh my god the story is so much more disappointing than that oh shit really (laughs) yeah all right so you know like it's a thing that people know about me at the gym that i'm pretty hard to choke like i have a 
a big neck and big traps and I can resist chokes pretty easily. Bro, those traps are so big. I can never, I can, I can't get my little tiny mongoose arms around them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I cut all this weight, like I had a skinny pencil neck now. And no. norm, like when I could normally like resist these chokes, now I got this new body I don't quite understand yet. Right. And I got caught 18 in the first round. <laughs> so oh, it was shit. all that work for such a quick fight. It was so Damn. disappointing. Damn, yeah. if Jamie shoots for a double leg on me in, at Taikai, I am definitely not getting my little squirrel arms around your neck. No offense. <laughs> I'm just, that's a comment on my tiny arms. I'm just saying <laughs> you're too big for me to get my arms synced into a choke. <laughs> So you feel more comfortable fighting at, like, 170? 175? Yeah, 170. I feel like weight class are a little bit different. Yeah. I'd be, like, a good natural 170-pounder now. Like, 10 pounds would be hard for me to cut now. What are you walking around at right now, 180? Yeah, like 180. Damn. Fucking stud, bruh. (laughs) <laughs> fucking stud. What was your uh, oh. what was your first fight like? What what were the emotions leading up to that for you? Uh, I was scared to death. You would know my opponent wasn't someone I should have been afraid of, and I felt like I was in a fight to the death. Really? Yeah. What, what was the spark that made you want to take your first fight? Um, just to see if I could do it. Just to test my limits, I guess. Damn. Um, I mean, I was training in garages and stuff when I took this fight, and I, I seeked out the promoter myself and found a fight in Burlington, Vermont. Because an MMA in New York was not legal. Yep. Which is pretty wild. I already know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it to you because it's one of my favorite stories. What's one of the weirdest places you've trained? <laughs> I love this story. It's the only reason why I ask. An abandoned trailer in the winter with a, a dirty kerosene heater right next to the mess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't do it. I don't. I don't ask that question to embarrass you, but I just I love the image of you training. Like I would imagine it was an abandoned field, and then you guys just found a trailer. You're like, "Fuck it, let's train in here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Dude, the, the next day after training in that place um like it was a dirty kerosene heater and we were like blowing black for boogers for the next week it's <laughs> <laughs> so bad for us so <laughs> and all of us were just like hey if we can train in that our cardio must be great <laughs> yeah 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 right right you guys were just talking yourselves into how awesome it was and really you took a couple of years off your life it was so dumb we we did so much dumb training back then well it was also really hard to come by good training especially where you guys were at right yeah there was no schools here so i was just seeking i mean i got lucky and uh fell into training with a jiu-jitsu black belt and pro mma fighter at the time who was that uh Jordan Damon. Oh, okay. Yeah, he trained with Ken in uh, the whole like old school Tai Tai group back in the day. Oh shit, nice. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no schools around, and I just seeked out him, and then 
all these other soldiers that would come through that had some sort of martial art or wrestling background and train with them. Right, because you, you're in uh, Watertown, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you get a high population of those those dudes from Fort Drum. Yeah. So it was like sometimes you get a real good training partner and then they move away a year later and then, you know, just constant rotation of guys. Yeah, it's got to be a different uh... – Especially, what's the gym that you train at now? I know it's Curtis School, but I can never remember the school. Bearing Jiu-Jitsu? Bearing, that's what it is, Bearing. Um, so, I would imagine the people you would get there would be a lot of the Fort Drum people who are there for two years or there for a short time, and then you have new people. It's almost all Fort Drum soldiers. Oh, really? Yeah, it's tough because you get a really good training partner, and you get to... Just by the time, like, you get really good friends with these guys, they end up getting moved to a different area. Yeah, that fucking sucks, doesn't it? Especially when a yeah. good training partner's got to say, see you later, I'm going back home to Watertown. And you're like, but bro, I really like training with you, Jamie. Why do you have to go back to Watertown? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'd ever do a boxing fight? What's that? Do you think you'd ever do a boxing fight? Um, I'm not opposed. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think before I officially say no more fighting, I at least want to do a boxing and one MMA fight just to check it off my bucket list, I guess. Yeah. Just to see, just to say I've done it. You know what I mean? I've done Muay Thai. I've done kickboxing. I would love to get those other two just, just checked off my list. Boxing is such a different realm though. It's because you have a fight experience, you would have to fight somebody who's in a different class, and that subclass is 10 or more fights. I could be wrong, but I remember Sifu was talking about that to me not too long ago. For you? Yeah, yeah I, told, I remember talking to uh, Sifu, and I was like, you know, it would be kind of fun to do a boxing fight. And he said that with the, uh, the world boxing, so I don't know what group it is that sanctions the boxing fights, but... Because yeah. you have past experience in a fight that automatically bumps you up to the next level, which is amateur boxers with ten or more fights right off the gate, right off the get go. Which is a little weird. Kickboxing fight, right? Yeah, I've done a kickboxing in in Thai. That that's it. Yeah, that's a bit. That doesn't seem to make sense to bump yeah, you up right? to some in fights when you have like two. Have you ever just done, when you spar with somebody, you just do boxing? And how hard is it to not fucking kick them? <laughs> uh, pretty hard. Yeah, uh, right? Because all, all my combos like, end with kicks, you know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, right. I, it's hands I spar with boxing a lot. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys that just box, and I'm going to get a better round if I don't kick them because... I mean, it's easy just to kick a boxer's leg and take them off their whole game. Yeah, right, right. Different different ball game. I would love to spar with somebody who only focuses in boxing and have them take me to school. Because it's so funny because it's when you take away my kicks, I lose so much of my setups. I lose so much of my, my like you said, the finishing moves to my combos are usually kicks the same way yeah. hands defeat hands defeat is what Dennis always says so just to do rounds with a with a boxer would be interesting because there's fucking levels to boxing you know what I mean like I might oh, think yeah. that my boxing is decent with Muay Thai but 
when it comes to a boxing gym. It, is, it does not compare to them. And it makes you a lot better, too. I mean, it, it opens up your game because now you got to develop a little more of a boxing style um, that you can implement in your kickboxing style. Yeah, for sure. Do you have um, – is there one coach that you've trained with over the years? It could be a celebrity coach. It could be a local coach that – has had the biggest impact on your game? Um, yeah, it'd, probably, it'd have to be Dennis. I think I've trained with Dennis the most, and he's a, he's such a phenomenal teacher. And, yeah. and you know, we'd, we'd roll hard all the time, like every day, too. So it was like he'd, te- he'd teach us his game, and then we'd go roll, and I'd see his, ga- see his game in action, and then... I'd be able to stuff like a certain move because you showed us it. And then, you know, he would have to um, have another answer. And it, it was just like it developed your game really fast. Um, and when I was like, when I first started fighting MMA and moved to Tai Kai, like, I was just putting it in hours. And I, Dennis was great. And he, he spent so much time with me and really developed me as a fighter. Yeah, for sure. He's, I think he's, a very he's a hidden gem in Syracuse I don't mean hidden because he's obviously one of our one of our bigger coach when I say bigger it sounds weird but he's he's one of the coaches that teach the most at Taika if I'm being honest and I think he's had a very large impact on a lot of people's coaching style he's like a high he's a high level coach like if you wanted to be a a professional coach, I think he could have been, uh, you know, like a Greg Nelson level instructor. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he could have been into the pros and, and beyond. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, he probably just doesn't get the recognition as, you know, being such a, not that he doesn't get the recognition of Tai Kai, but outside yeah. of Tai Kai, you know, like For sure. he isn't well known just because he wasn't like a big competitor or anything. So right, you know, right. he didn't go around. A competitor though in the '90s, and if you watch him competing in like Naga, and he's got you know sprawl shorts on or tap out shorts and a white beater, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Those pictures are awesome. They're fucking badass. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's so funny. What's uh, what's training like been for you during the whole COVID thing? Have you been working out a lot more at home? Have you done really any solo drills? It's kind of hard to do anything, but uh, I got a few people I train, a few of the other fighters I train with all the time, and I've actually been doing a ton of training, especially since I haven't been able to touch a weight since this started. Yeah, we we just got the okay to open up gyms this week, actually. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I don't know what like uh, what hoops we have to jump through, but hopefully, I can get in there consistently again. Yeah, what's uh, has Bearing opened up at all? Bearing Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, we've been open for a while. What have you? What has uh, class structure been like for you guys? Do you teach classes there, Jamie? Yep, I teach uh, twice a week. I teach kickboxing and Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, what fighter have you? tried to emulate the most or have you looked up to the most um man i don't know it's it's been like just a make a mixed bad bag like uh i get on a little kick of watching somebody like anderson silva was the first guy that really like i wanted to emulate 
at the but, prime. At his prime, absolutely, one of the greatest yeah. fighters of all time. Yeah. I right? mean, still, he's so smooth and tricky. He doesn't yeah. look like he's playing. Bro, what he did to Stephen Bonner, what he did to Forrest Griffin, what he did to Eric yeah. Franklin, the list goes on and on. What that guy has done in, in the fashion that he's done it has been outstanding. Really amazing. Especially now he's, what, 54? I make that up, but he's old. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, and he's still out there killing it. Yeah, for sure. Damn, that's so mm-hmm. wild. What, did you, uh, when did you start watching UFC? Were you, like, were you really young? Was it, like, UFC 1 where that really got you into watching UFC? Um, so that was one, that's what made me seek out MMA was I found, like, these old highlight videos on YouTube of, uh, like, the first UFCs where they're doing crazy stuff, like, yeah. uh, pulling each other's hair and punching each other in the face and Tank Abbott's <laughs> throwing people out of the cage. Yeah, right, right. Right, but I really got into like the era of like Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz. That's when I first started. Yeah, that's that's old school. Where boxing and it, it's weird when you watch those old school UFC fights versus now. You can see an amazing progression of how far we've come along with mixed martial arts. But at the time when you were watching, you know Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz, you're like, this is. This is the best I've ever seen. It's so yeah. it's so crazy to see how we how the UFC's progressed, how MMA's progressed over the years, and how the talent has just fucking blown through the roof. Yeah, it's one of the most exciting things about the sport is like you watch it evolve. Yeah, especially because it's so young, right? We're talking. Yep. When did the first UFC? When was that? I'm gonna type it in right now. When was the first UFC? Sometime in the 90s. Dude, November 12th, 1993. So we're talking about a sport that's pretty fucking young. Yeah, and to think that, like, the first UFCs were this martial art versus this martial art, and now it's like you have to know all these martial arts to even be competitive. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And that's the wild thing is at the time, that's what everybody wanted to see. Because martial arts was always this weird. Some martial art. I'm man. I'm trying to find good words for it, so I don't upset anybody. There were some martial arts that were bullshit, right? And that was yeah. the the first UFC was to figure out who was king shit of the martial arts, right? It was to see who had the best technique and who would apply it in real life and come out on top, right? That's what was so attractive yeah. about the original UFC. I mean, they had a sumo wrestler in their first UFC. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you got sumo wrestlers, and then you got dudes just open palm striking in the dick over and over again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the first three <laughs> UFCs. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Shit, Jamie, I appreciate your time, and thanks for doing this a second time since the first time kind of got fudged up. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. As always, it is good talking to you, uh, and uh, I hope you come back to Syracuse soon and train because I miss training with you. I would love to, man. I miss you too. You got there's a couple people that are like my top favorite training partners, and if it was MySpace, you'd be in my top eight. You mean it? I mean it. You would even be in my top four, Jamie. I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass. You just made my year. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jamie, thank you. I appreciate you, buddy. I love you, buddy. Thank you. Sorry. Talk to you later, buddy.